You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click donate. This year, as many of us are, are facing our own harsh realities, there may have never been a a more appropriate time to consider the concrete liberation in the birth narratives of the Advent season. Welcome to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 352, and our title this week is The Concrete Liberation Narratives of Advent, Part 1. In Matthew 1.18, we read, this is how the birth of Jesus, the anointed, came about. So Advent season has begun here in, in 2020, and over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the the birth narratives of Jesus from first century perspectives. In their cultural context, both Matthew and Luke's birth narratives are about concrete liberation for oppressed Jewish people in the here and now. Matthew and Luke, their stories differ greatly on the details of the birth of Jesus, but both speak uh, nonetheless of concrete liberation. And we'll read each story in in both the religious and the political context that they were they were written in they intensely subvert the political theologies of their day today we have access to information that helps us rediscover the story's meaning in 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 the first century what it must have meant to the first century followers of Jesus and we can extrapolate from that possibilities of what it might mean for us today as well now a preliminary word about both narratives something to note before we begin these narratives are primarily concerned remember with this world not with heaven they're focused on liberation in this life much like the the exodus liberation narratives of the torah were uh, too often the birth narratives of jesus are read through the lens of a salvation that is defined as as entrance into a post-mortem heaven but that's not how the original jewish jesus community would have heard these stories that community was concerned with the whole of life, not merely with an afterlife. A a spiritual afterlife application of these narratives, that became the dominant interpretation through the cultural influence of the Christianizing and expanding of the Roman Empire. Reading the gospel narratives with an otherworldly focus, that has borne intensely destructive fruit ever since. Before imperial Christianity, people understood these narratives to be about the liberation and transformation of our communities and this world, this world, not not another, not not an afterlife, but this world here and now. They were not solely religious stories. They were also political. They were economic and social, uh, with distributively just imaginings of the end of of violence and injustice and oppression 
in our lives today. The importance of context can't be overemphasized here. If we're going to wrest these two narratives from centuries of of purely religious and otherworldly interpretations, we have to discover their historical context. Once we see that context, we can't unsee it. And once we know it, again, we can't unknow it. So, So learning this context for myself, it has forever changed how I read the birth narratives of Jesus in the gospel. So I want to share that journey with you. This week, we'll we'll begin with Matthew's narrative, and, and, and we'll talk about that more next week. Then we'll consider, we'll, in that, we'll consider uh, why Herod is the focus and, and why the Magi are even included. And we'll talk about that more <clears throat> again next week. But, and then after that, we'll explore Luke's birth narrative. But my hope is that the information in this series, that it'll enable you to read the birth narratives in Matthew and Luke anew. <clears throat> And I hope that these narratives seen in their own context will renew your heart and hope and inspire you as a Jesus follower to more deeply embody their focus on transforming this world. Though the early Jesus birth narratives were originally intended for first century listeners, I believe they're also significant for us today. In our era, these narratives are being eclipsed especially for Christians, by a consumerism that uses the gift of Jesus to affirm our our holiday economic machine. Richard Horsley, he describes this in the introduction to his book, The Liberation of Christmas, The Infancy Narratives in Social Context. Um, This is on page nine of the introduction. He writes, indirectly at least, the giving and henceforth the buying of gifts is rooted in the paradigms of God's gift of the Christ child and the costly gifts of the Magi. The Christmas story has clearly come to have a material significance. It helps to legitimate the the festival of retailing and consumption of goods. The Christmas story has thus also become subservient to the contemporary economic ends as well as subjected to modern cultural presuppositions. So today, the subversive political and economic themes of the Christmas story, they're lost even to Christians who are most familiar with these stories. Systemic racism continues to thrive. Xenophobia towards immigrants and Muslim Americans, it flourishes. LGBT exclusion is, is still practiced by a large number of Christian congregations. And much like the Rome of, of these birth narratives, the U.S. still seeks to achieve peace through military violence all over the globe, and, and, and all while we adorn our American lawns with nativities of the babe from Bethlehem. If we're to rediscover the original subversive power of the birth narratives of Jesus and, and rightly apply those stories to our lives today, we must read them in the context of the lives and hopes of people in first century Galilee and and Judea who who daily faced dehumanizing and economically crushing uh, oppression. Matthew's king of the Jews, Matthew's stories, they, they use this title 
this title was reserved for Herod the Great. And Luke's son of God or, or savior of the world, the one who brings peace on earth, those were also titles that and accomplishments that were normally applied to, to Caesar alone. And we're going to explore the difference, that reassigning of these titles to Jesus, what that difference was for, what, what, what difference that made for oppressed communities of the, the early Jesus followers throughout this series. So for now, the Gospel of Rome, remember, it promised peace through terror and violence. The Gospels, on the other hand, they envision peace uh, through establishing distributive justice for everyone. The historian Josephus wrote about the ceremonial celebration at which the Roman Senate made Herod the client king of the Jewish region. And I'll give you a reference to, to this quote in uh, 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 this week's Esite. The meeting was dissolved and Antony and Caesar, and remember that Caesar Augustus, left the Senate house with Herod between them, preceded by the consuls and the other officials as they went to offer sacrifice to lay up the decree in the capital. On this, the first day of his reign, Herod was given a banquet by Antony. So Herod would later economically crush the Jewish people, piling on the the already oppressive Roman tax burden of the inhabitants of the area under his control and, and threatening just like Rome, violent redress by a, a large and heavily armed militia. And not only was the Jerusalem temple state responsible for collecting the, the temple tax and the tribute due to Rome, Herod would also extract heavy tributes for his extensive building projects that, that were aimed at paying homage to, to Caesar in an attempt to secure his position or favor with the Roman Empire. Herod was intensely efficient at crushing also uprisings and rebellions against his, his oppressive policies and his slaughter of the people in villages and towns. It was extensive at certain times in his reign. So this was a time when, when life in, his, in this region under Herod, it looked most hopeless. It was a time that was characterized by exploitation and, and tyranny for the Jewish peasantry. And, and Herod was economically, you have to remember, this is the economic context of Matthew's story. Herod was economically bleeding his people and his country dry. Josephus again writes that at one point, Herod's economic tributes became so heavy that Herod even had to remit to the people of his kingdom a third part of their taxes. He'd just taken too much from them. Under the pretext of, of letting them recover, he said, from a, a period of the lack of crops, and I'll give you a, 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 a reference to that in the east side as well, but because Herod himself was involved in, in projects whose expenses were, were greater than his means, in antiquities, Josephus says, he was compelled to be harsh toward his subject, subjects <clears throat> for the great number of things on which he spent money as gifts to some, caused him to be the source of harm to those from whom he took his revenues. This was the situation for, for many under Herod's reign. The, the peasantry cried out day and night for relief from Herod's tyranny. And this is the subject of, of Matthew's uh, birth narrative. Herod had reduced the entire people to helpless 
and hopeless poverty. Herod became a conduit for the transfer of the economic lifeblood of the Jewish people to other peoples and thus deeply harmed the towns in his own realm and people who were who were once of means they daily passed into poverty this is the concrete political economic and real life situation that Matthew's birth narrative centers as it tells the story of a threat to Herod's reign. This Christmas story, far from being about how Jesus would would make a way to the afterlife and leave uh, oppressed structures and, and systems of this world passively untouched, the Christmas story in Matthew it speaks to its audience of a of a liber of a liberation from from soul crushing realities that are affecting its listeners in the here and now. Again, we'll take a, a deeper look at Matthew's version of the story of the birth of Jesus next time, next week. Uh, after that, we'll go into Luke. But what I want you to see preliminarily this week is that it's focused very much so on the here and now. So what economic life-crushing realities do you need to be acknowledging this week? How has COVID the COVID pandemic impacted your life? How has the, the government downplaying it and some of some of its leaders, a parent's choice to choose the, the do-nothing or mass murder policy of natural herd immunity uh, impacted your life? The, the U.S. Senate's choice to, to recess early before th- the Thanksgiving holiday instead of passing much-needed relief and even now uh, dragging its feet on its ability to come to some type of agreement on on the relief that so many people are in need of uh, right now, right before Christmas. How have these and more, uh, these failed approaches to the pandemic, how have they impacted you? This year, as many of us are are facing our own harsh realities, there may have never been a, a more appropriate time to consider the concrete liberation in the birth narratives of the Advent season. They were written for people who were facing harsh and crushing realities themselves and who found hope in the person and the teachings of Jesus. Advent has now begun, and what I would like you to be asking yourself over the next couple weeks is what do these stories have to share with us today. Heart Group application, again, we at Renewed Heart Ministries, we are continuing to ask all of our heart groups not to meet together physically at this time. We want you to stay virtually connected, though. I know I facilitate a a weekly heart group each Wednesday night via Zoom um, uh, from from all over the nation. Uh, uh, Practice uh, your physical distancing when you go out. Uh, Remember, wear a mask. Stay six foot uh, away from others. Uh, Continue washing your hands to stop the spread of the virus, using your, your sanitizer. All of the things we know that we can do that have been proven to slow this down, we are setting record numbers in the U.S. 
access right now. This is also a time, remember, where you can practice uh, the resource sharing and the mutual aid that's found in the Gospels and make sure that others in your group have what they need and use this time to, to prioritize protecting those that are most vulnerable within your group. So application this week, number one, share something that spoke to you from this week's e-site or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, in what ways do you see the Advent narratives being much more concerned with our concrete lives here and now rather than than being other world or afterlife uh, focused? And then number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone. Thanks for checking in with us today, right where you are. Keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working towards justice. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.